You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder and Rhett Warner on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Eight oh nine Tuesday morning. Flames back to practice today. Three and a half hours they'll be on the ice at the Saddle Dome, and then it is Devils tomorrow. Sabers Friday. Uh, Rhett, you've promised not to get banged up at the Sabers game. Is that what I heard earlier today? That's correct. Boy, we've got a big championship weekend for the kids this weekend. We got a coach has to be on his best behavior. Yeah, you, you don't need. Uh, Old Coach Boo's breath leaning into kids, giving them pointers, eh? Come on, fellas. Here we go. Oh. Hey, little Jimmy, pass your water bottle. Coach is dying over here. <laughs> any gum? I don't have any gum, Coach. What are you talking about? Um. Okay, so Sarah Valley knows what he's doing, eh? And I'll get to the Flames point now, if you'd like. Sean Monaghan. Um, he... he Drop that little nugget for us. I don't think it's a new conversation, but no. it feels like when, not if, they try to uh, get out from under Sean Monahan's financial obligations. Now, maybe this summer, if you cannot retain Johnny Gaudreau, there isn't an urgency to move his money, but let's be frank. It's not an efficient use of nearly $6.5 million might, to have a fourth-line center getting it all. It might be a bigger urgency if they can't sign Kudrow. It could be. Because you would need that money. we got to go find someone that can get some points for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I don't discount the other teams thinking they might be able to buy some bounce back. But I think it has to be a very unique situation. Like, could Sean Monaghan go to Pittsburgh and play a lot of ozone starts on a line with Evgeny Malkin and score 20 again? Maybe. I just don't see it here as a center iceman creating offense again. No, you don't see many guys have that. I mean, I guess it can happen, but to to be as good as he was and then a fall kind of so far, hard a change of scenery might be the, the best thing that could happen for him. Yeah, and, you know, hindsight, we can't always say it was the change of scenery. You know, maybe somebody didn't do something right or, you know, this was a wake-up call, whatever it is. Like, I, I don't know that... It's all change of scenery with Sam Bennett, but sure, a bunch of it feels like that, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it, it's hard to describe, though. Like, I don't know that Monaghan, I, I mean, I wasn't predicting Bennett playing this well. No, nobody was. I mean, if, if you thought but, there was even a chance he could be a point per game player, you, you don't settle for a second and, no. and, a, and a prospect for a guy at that age with that kind of team control. But that's the thing about a change of scenery. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't. It can be the best and the worst. There's guys get traded and they completely get lost. Other guys find themselves like Bennett. So I just, I'm with you that it's not, I I, I don't see a path forward here where Sean Monaghan finds, finds his game and starts to be the player that he was. I think it's absolutely the only chance of that happening is if it's in another city. Yeah, I, I am with you. And and for me, wow, I don't think it through enough. But it, it, my original thought was to say was just to say, uh, do it now. G- 
give them the change. If you can make that happen now and you, depending on what you can bring back in, do it now. Yeah. And I, I'll add to that, that if you're doing it now, you, you're getting someone back. You don't open that hole with no one to fill it. No, now, it's a bottom no, six absolutely. center hole. But if, if you can get uh, an impact top nine centerman, and and then by you need to get rid of Monahan's money. Yes, you do that, but I don't know that you need to see Rajichka, Dubé, Richardson, those three guys as you, any combination of them as your bottom two centers. That's that's you know he he's been an okay fourth line center and third line center this year. The problem is is we we watch him as a number one center score thirty, and I think those days are done here. We I think we know those days are done here. There's been no glimpses of the offensive star that he was early in his career. Now there has been improvement on the other side of the puck, but not to the point where he's worth 6.4 nearly. He's not a selkie candidate here. This isn't Ryan O'Reilly. So it's a weird spot. And I think he's been a good soldier. I think his attitude has been great. I think he's totally bought into the, a much lesser role than he's had in any other point in his NHL career. You feel for the guy. He didn't want it to go this way. He's not trying to be bad. I think he's working his tail off. It's just, so am I. it's not happening. He's young, too. Well, I mean, this is supposed to be his prime. And so the, the, the age thing's interesting. If I asked you how, how if he's young or old based on his birth certificate, you say he's young. If I say just watch a guy move around and tell me about his injury history. Well, and that's Feels a little older. What, what, how is the injuries? How, how are those surgeries? What have they done? Well, they haven't helped. It I know that. I mean, he's not no better than he was. It's, it's gone. It's, there's one direction it's going here offensively. And I, I just I'm not buying the bottom six defensive center. Nah, sorry, sorry. Don't 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 uh, don't see that as a good use of that money. And to your point, sometimes it's just a change of scenery, fresh air, new space, fresh starts. Let's go, new beginnings. But we'll see if it's a summer, if it's ahead of Monday's deadline, or. If it ends up being a, yeah, well, we ride it out. He's a free agent in two summers, and we tried to move him. We couldn't, and there it and, is. It comes to an end. Frank kind of alluded to big splash, did he not, with the Flames? Well, like, I mean, know. yeah, and, and so, like, if Giroux's out there and you found a way to make that happen, that's the type of guy that has to go the other way to make the money work. It's that simple, right? I, if it's Sherratt, that, you, you, that, need, that type of guy for, to make the money work. You can't just bring in a five, six million dollar player without deleting somebody that makes significant money here. Yeah. They got about a million bucks of deadline cap space. That's it. So you want a big name? You need a big salary going the other way too. Okay, more on that later in the program. Let's get to uh back to the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. Find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out and delivery as well. 403-248-3344. Uh it was Mullet Monday. At TPC Sawgrass yesterday, and a fellow Aussie gets to talk talk about it right now. Luke Alvey joins us. Your boy Cam Smith, that grease ball, what a player! <laughs> He's really growing in stature, isn't he, Ryan? Uh, an outstanding performance yesterday in really trying conditions. And uh, you know, we we knew once he won at Kapalua this year after beating Rama over the weekend in record-breaking fashion uh, to win that tournament of champions in Hawaii, that big things were ahead. Uh, but it's come quicker than we thought. Winning the Players' Championship, richest prize purse in golf. And uh, 
Well, everyone in Australia is saying, you beauty. He is a beauty. Apparently, he got together with a bunch of the caddies. Had no interest in hanging with the, the guys on their private jets. Let's get bombed with the caddies and tell some stories. I'll get, I'll get the, the Golden Arches delivery. Let's go. Yeah, that's, um, that's the Australian way, Ryan. Um, we have a class structure in Australia. Uh, there's an old saying, everyone's got to wipe their own bum. You know, you're, you're just a human. So it doesn't matter what you achieve. Uh, you're just one of us. And, um, yeah, on the Monday of tournament week, you know, he had 30 people over, mostly caddies. Here's and pizza. He lives around the corner from the tournament, about five miles away. And, um, you know, that's, that's Cam Smith. That's Mark Leishman. He's the same Adam Scott. You know, these guys have achieved great things, but they're not... They don't think they're bigger than anyone else because of what they've achieved. They're just the same person from wherever they came from in Australia. Uh, so that was quite a weekend. Talk about uh, hardly any golf between Thursday afternoon and Saturday afternoon, and then all of it seemingly uh, Sunday, Monday. It made up a lot of ground. What's that like? That's got to be a pain in the butt, but it's also $20 million bucks these guys are fighting for. How do you balance those things? Yeah, well, the hardest thing is acceptance if you're on the wrong side of the draw. Um, in golf, there's two T-waves or teeing waves. We've got the uh, people that start early on Thursday, they play late Friday, or they start late on Thursday and early on Friday. And the late early wave got absolutely hosed here. The weather was so atrocious uh, that by the time they finally got to put the peg in the ground, it was just gale force winds, freezing cold, uh, tumbling rain. Uh, but as I alluded to on... Uh, social media, swallow a cup of cement and harden up. 20 million you're playing for, you've got to find a way. And there are a number of players that found a way. Doug Gim was one. He came on that side of the draw. He finished inside the top 10. Um, Thomas, Bubba Watson were playing beautifully through 36 holes. Find a way. Diversity, that's life. I mean, there's a lot more things happening in the world other than playing a golf tournament 20 million, if anyone needs perspective. But the big challenge is for those who made a hot start, and Cam Smith was one of them in that on Thursday, they sit around for three days waiting for that second round to begin to try and get after it again. So you sort of got to mentally reset. And once he did, oh my word, gee, he played lights out. So I was sitting there uh, Saturday. I think they just started cleaning up uh, round one and starting round two. I, I could have watched the 17th hole like just for, for the rest of the time. It was 20 of 48 guys wanting the drink. I think it was five of the first six guys to play the hole on Saturday. Um, what is it about the best in the world looking like absolute chops like myself, like 15 handicaps that I just can't stop? I, I, it was amazing. Yeah, well, it's like watching a car crash, isn't it? You can't turn away. Um, it, it's, it's terrific. Sorry, horrific to look at, but it's terrific to watch these, you know, what seemingly immortal golfers look mortal, look like the rest of us. And you know what it really exposed, Ryan, is the modern-day golfer does not know how to flight their golf ball anymore. Do you know who would have eaten up these conditions if he was healthy? Tiger Woods. This would have been hmm. right up his alleys. Like, basically, 95% of the game is eliminated because no one knows how to hit an off-speed pitch. No one knows how to knock a ball down. But you saw the likes of Justin Thomas punch a little six-iron in there. It's 135 yards, for goodness sakes. You can hit a six-iron 220 yards in normal conditions. But you have to flight it down knowing that there's only a, you know, a patch of land up there that if I'm off target, it's wet. But that is the skill of the game. And unfortunately, it's a lost art because golf has turned into a power game with this 
dynamic equipment that it suggests just hit it flat out and nothing else. How is the tournament doing? Um, I know the conditions weren't good, and that hurts. You didn't have the huge crowds because it was closed on a Monday. Uh, the tournament was closed out on a Monday. But that's a, that's the first time with that huge purse. Is the players going to be able to uh, to, to have the, that huge feel? I know it it, it has, but they, they added $5 million to that prize purse for a reason, right? Like, what do you think of it when we look back now? Right. It's a good observation, Ryan. I know exactly what you're pointing at. Um, Look, the PGA Tour for the last decade has been desperate to have this become a major championship. But you just don't get major status by throwing a stack of cash at it or trying to give it prestige. Over time, something shows itself to be better than everything else, and then all of a sudden they go, okay, well, let's elevate it to major championship status. But it is literally the best PGA Tour event going around. It's as simple as that. The players at the number one PGA Tour event and the four majors are that. They are major championships, and there's just a different feel. Now, $20 bucks, the richest purse, uh, the energy of the Players' Championship, having been to about eight or nine of them, it's a phenomenal week. The Tour has done an exceptional job growing the status of this championship. You know, the fact that it's at the same course every year, we get to see the same, you know, three holes down the stretch decide this championship. What about poor Keegan Bradley melting down over the last couple of holes? That only cost him 900000 You know, it, it, it has so much going for it, but it will, it, until the tour changes its mentality that money is the be-all and end-all, I don't think it'll get major status. Gravitas is what gives something major status, not money. Okay, big picture. What's coming up on the tour here? What do we got next? We're still in Florida. Uh, the big money yeah. events there. What are you? What are your eyes on well, storyline wise? Well, they're off to Tampa this week. Um, you know, it won't be a, a super strong field naturally because you've got the you've got the WGC match play coming up in Austin in a few weeks. Then in a couple of weeks after that, you've got the Masters. So you know, this championship season we talk about really begins now at the players. So that's week one. In two weeks, there's the WGC. In two weeks, there's a major, and then you know we'll be getting ready for that run of. Masters, PGA, US Open, um, and and the Open Championship, which is the 150th anniversary. So it's a really massive five months that we've just ended, and and this is where you know players stand up and change their lives. And right now, like this very moment, Cam Smith, the guy, the way he is putting, the way he has performed at the Masters. Remember, he is the first person to ever shoot all four rounds in the 60s when he finished runner-up to Dustin Johnson in 2020 in that four Masters. He's had two other top fives there. He's got to be going there as one of the top three favourites. But during the next month, someone else will do something magnificent. We've just had Scotty Scheffler win twice back-to-back. You know, if Rory pulls off another win here before the Masters, well, everyone will start talking about the career slam again. So there's so many awesome storylines in the game. And then that's forgetting the simple fact that Tiger might come back again after that horrific car accident and play in the Masters, and then we've still got uh, Phil Mickelson, who might re-emerge from the shadows of, you know, everything that he's created for himself over the last month. So golf is in such a healthy state, so many great players, so many wonderful storylines, and intriguing storylines as well. We've got heroes and villains, and that's what sport loves. All right, man. Good catching up. Uh, hope you had a great weekend out in Canmore. Yeah, you get getting some turns in here if you're not uh, flying down to cover these events, or what? 
Yeah, it's been busy, mate. With uh, Can Golf, we've been you know going full blown. We're actually having a Masters Sunday event. So if those who love the Masters want to come and play in uh, a Masters Sunday event, um, obviously I'll be at Augusta, so I won't be on site. But um, we'll be playing for Masters merchandise that I'll be sending back from Augusta National. It's only a hundred dollars to join for a team of two to play in a two-man scramble. Plus, you get a pro draw, so you get a one of the top twenty-five pros in the field. Going to the final round, you get them to help your score as well. So, like if anyone's there in Calgary and wants to get amongst it, come out to Kangolf on Master Sunday. However, you'd need to register soon because spaces are filling up fast. Love it. Thanks, man. Good stuff. We'll catch up soon. Catch you, Ryan. Thanks, mate. All right. There's Luke Alvey on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's heartbreaking watching the war in Ukraine and not knowing what to do, how to help. Well, here's something you can do right now. UNICEF is on the ground supporting children in Ukraine, and they're asking for help. They've responded to crisis in Ukraine for a long time. Find out more, unicef.ca. We'll come back, Adnan Verk. A little more thoughts on uh, the Flames trying to free up some money moving forward. Is that for the deadline? Is that for next year? Is that a Johnny extension? Is it someone to replace Johnny Gaudreau if he's not here? All that before the end of the show. And Matty Rose in for Flames Talk at 9, Sports at 960, The Fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Red and Ryan on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Lots of text coming in at 960-960. Welcome back to Boomer in the Morning. Uh, this fine program brought to you by Grey Wolf Golf Course. Located in Panorama Mountain Village. Yes, Grey Wolf, a course that wins people over time and time again. Dynamite par threes, including... The world-famous cliffhanger number six. Of course, you've got the sculpted bent grass fairways and hair-raising elevation changes. Truly one of the great golf courses in Western Canada. It's been voted BC's number one public golf course by Score Golf Magazine. The 2022 T-Sheet now open. Book today at greywolfgolf.com. Grey Wolf presenting Boomer in the... No Boomer. Where's Boomer? Rhett, you have a Boomer there? Need a boomer. Is he okay? Has anyone heard from him? I checked in yesterday. He's fine. He's doing better. Maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Mm. Take your time, boom. Go ahead. Just you know, no rushing. We got a long run here with the Flames, right? Like there's no. Yeah. Are you going to hurry back for game 63? Come on. You're good. You're good. The Devils. Um, lots of texts. Let's get to them. 960960. Nine, six, zero. People are very uh, interested in in how the Flames are going to get some cap space. Uh, sadly for Sean Monaghan, he is, or maybe happily, I don't know. He's he's the guy. That's the money that uh, seemingly you're going to have to move at a minimum to start doing some business this summer. Let's keep in mind: significant raise for Shillington, significant raise for Andrew Majapani, who might what triple his salary, something hilarious. Matthew Kachuk gets at least a two million dollar raise, depending on uh, what kind of a deal gets done there. Shouldn't say at least. There's possible. Feels like at least. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau needs huge money. He might be a $10 million hockey player at this point. Maybe. Might? I mean, I thought Steven Stamkos was, and then he signed for way less to stay in Tampa, but I think he has all the right in the world to ask for more than 10 is what we'd agree on, right? Yes, you're right. Uh, He's worth more than 10. You got a third pair who have both exceeded expectations. Zadorov making a hair under four, and Eric Branson having a career year. Nothing short of a career year 
uh, for old fours there, Rhett. Your old 44 looking pretty darn good. We, we chortled when uh, he took the number. Uh, now you're beaming with pride. Favorite player, maybe. Got to be, right? Got your number. And he's a guy I feel like they can keep. Yeah, but, but, but again, it's going to take some money because I think uh, he doesn't feel like a September 10 signing this summer, and he was last summer. You're definitely going to lose one of them at least. Yeah, and I, I think if you had Good Branson Mackey as a third pair, that would be something I, w- that I wouldn't be afraid of. I think it's about time Connor Mackey uh, gets to prove he is or isn't an NHLer. Maybe not yeah. this season and this postseason, but next year, and then you can always address uh, roster deficiencies at the deadline if you need to, if you're a competitive team that's one D-man short, whatever it may be. But when you look at all the money that has to be given out, you cannot bring everyone back and give the raises out to everyone to keep them moving forward. So that is why the crosshairs have turned to Sean Monaghan, who has one year left on his contract at $6.375 million. The other name that people aren't talking about as much, but is probably a luxury they can't afford, is Milan Lucic's final year at five and a quarter. Lucic has a $3 million signing bonus on July 1. After that, a salary of a million dollars. So while his cap hits five and a quarter, if you traded him after July 1, the team that holds his contract will only have to pay him a million dollars. Does that not sound like an Arizona Coyote special to you? It does, but does he have no say? He has some say. And the question is, how would he feel about that? And does he have uh, the warmth in his heart for removing him from the situation that was in Edmonton to help the team in a pinch if they need the cash. And it looks like they're going to need the cash. The cap space, I should say. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I like, we don't know. But, but when you look at freeing up money, that's over $11 million right there. Right? That's 11 yeah, that and a half. Be huge. More than yeah. 11 and a half right there, those two guys. And what are you deleting right now? Two fourth liners. So if you're just looking at how are we competitive moving forward, well, if we could delete two fourth liners and have $11.5 million in cap space, feels like it's pretty hard to look past those those two possible trades. We'll get more on that as we get to what you want to talk about later. Uh, Adnan Verk joins us. Sir, what's up? What's happening? Ender, we're back, baby. We're back. Never in doubt. We knew all along this deal would get done. Okay, I was a little off on March 1st and March 4th, but inevitably cooler heads prevailed. I felt like I lived a life in the last two weeks. Thank God baseball is back. And how much fun has this last week been? It, well, and it's it's apparently the, there's eyeball emojis from all the insiders in Toronto. Uh, today's supposed to be a monster day. The Jays are going to do something big. What is it, Adnan? Listen, I, I keep hoping that it's Freddie Freeman, but the last report I saw was six years, two forty three from the Dodgers. So obviously, we know with the Matt Olson move yesterday, a, a very contrite or cheery I should say, Alex Anthopoulos, our Canadian boy, realizing Freddie Freeman's not going to be with Atlanta. So to me, it's Dodgers or Blue Jays, uh, but six two forty three. Pinder, for perspective, he had an eight one thirty six, and I thought he would get five for one fifty, which is I believe what the Braves were offering. But then they really wanted the sixth year. Freddie Freeman's thirty two, so six. I thought okay, six one eighty maybe six two forty three. Forty million a year is incredible contract for Freddie Freeman if indeed that's the deal. And I don't think the Jays will go that high. But for Toronto. It's like, listen, everyone's like, they're going to get one of these guys, whether it's Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa. Um, uh, listen, that organization and that clubhouse clearly want to spend right now. So let's hope it's one of those two because those are the two best players available in the market. 
Okay, so the issue I have with Freeman and the Jays is two. One is what positions Vladdy going to play? Because I, I don't see the fit there. And putting a guy at third after the success he's had at first, coming off his best year ever, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know that's the best. And then secondly, how are you going to extend Bichette and Guerrero if you're hanging 40 a year on uh, uh, Freddie Freeman over 35? Yeah, that, those are two excellent questions. And those are my thoughts as well. For Vlad, you say, well, I guess he could be a third baseman and a little bit of first base when Freddie wants a DH. And, of course, Vlad can DH a little bit. Like, But I, I'm with you. I, I don't like moving a guy around, especially if he's that young. I just think, all right, two positions. Like, if it's first base and DH, fine. But third base, first base, DH, and you're messing with the guy. And, like you said, he had a phenomenal season. Focus on that. And the bigger question, like you said, extending those guys. Make no mistake, Vlad Jr. is in the Tatis category, right? He's going to get 10 years for 300. I don't think that's any question. That's Manny Machado money. That's Bryce Harper money, et cetera. Now, I don't think Bo's quite there, but he's definitely $200 million. So to your point, you're looking at half a billion dollars to those two guys, and you add another 240 for Freddie, that seems a little too rich for my blood. But again, you and I are both hearing the same thing. Something massive is happening. So if you're going to get massive, it's really Freeman or Correa. And both of those guys would then cause an issue. Obviously, if Correa is a short, uh, excuse me, at shortstop, well, then Bo moves to second base, or third, whatever it is. There's going to be some sort of movement. Um, but if the Jays want to win now, both those guys are impact players. Well, and I, I just hope the, the Canadian dollar is doing okay too. And, and I, I'm told Rhett will work weekends for uh, if if, they, if we can get the deal done for our bosses that own the Jays. Hey, just give me a ticket. I'll go watch. I'm, don't, I don't need to be working. <laughs> Yeah, Red will, Red will get some concessions, he'll get some food, you know, toys for the kids, whatever you need. I, he's got to work one of the concessions, but he'll, he gets to eat for free while he's working. That's that's how we're going to squeeze these deals in. <laughs> um, okay. Caramel popcorn. Caramel popcorn, now $12. That's okay. It'll be worth it. Go ahead. <laughs> So what else is out there that we need to see happen? We saw the Jays go get Kikuchi. That's going to be a 4-5 or five guy for them. He and Ryu will be the lefties at the end of a rotation that looks pretty darn deep. Um, but big names that, that we still need to find homes for. Schwarber's another name that we're hearing. Um, and I'm not just Toronto. Anywhere. Like, what's what's left to settle? Because we got opening day in, like, three weeks and two days. Well, the other big one, too, is Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant is a guy who I think so he had $200 million. He had a good season last year with the Giants. I could see him re-signing with San Francisco. He seemed very comfortable there, uh, 30 years of age, former rookie of the year, World Series champion in 2016. Had 26 home runs, 73 RBI last year. So as I said, solid player, 850 OPS, Chris Bryant. And he can play third base. He can play left field. So who knows? Maybe the Blue Jays, if they don't get Freeman or Correa, can always make a run at Chris Bryant. He's still out there. Schwarber, obviously, ton of pop. The fact that Schwarber had 32 home runs last year, I believe in something like 115 games, like it's crazy. Like over a full season, he would have had 45 to 50 home runs. He's going to go somewhere. Some of those DH moves are a little bit odd. Like Schwarber now, obviously his market improves because he can play in either league with the universal DH. Nelson Cruz signed for one year, $13 million with the Nationals. I said, what? They're going to be a last-place team. Now, I get that he's tight with Juan Soto, but still, some of those moves are a little bit odd to me. You saw the Reds yesterday trading Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez. Those are two big bats. I mean, Suarez hit a buck ninety-eight, but he had over thirty bombs, and Winker had an excellent year overall. So that's concerning for the Blue Jays for this reason. If you look at the current playoff format, which has now been instituted, if that was there a year ago, the Jays would have made the playoffs, but the Mariners would have been a game behind them. So the Mariners are going to be right in the mix. They have added Robbie Ray, stealing him from the Blue Jays, and now added two potent bats in Winker and Suarez. So that's interesting there for the Jays. 
they have to realize if they're contending for a wild card spot, another contender for that spot just got better. The other big name out there is Kenley Jansen. And you may roll your eyes for a second, but 2.22 ERA last year. That was his best season since 2017. He is easily the best closer available on the market. We all know the Jays, as you mentioned, Ryan, their starting staff has improved, but their bullpen was a sore spot last year. Romano saved the day in more ways than one, but it would be awfully nice to get a Kenley Jansen because the other reason is this. The team that might get him, if not the Dodgers, is the Red Sox. Mm. So, again, that's competition for the Blue Jays. If they get Jansen, you know how bad their bullpen was. You know, Matt Barnes in the ERA over 10 in the second half. Um, they've had a lot of blown saves the last three seasons. So I'm curious to see what happens, not only Bryant and Schwarber, but also what happens with Kenley Jansen, because that could impact Toronto. Man, this division is tough. Whew. It is a lot. Like uh, the Yankees just go get Donaldson. Uh, Red Sox looking to spend. The Rays do raise things. And Baltimore can't be as bad as last year. I think that's impossible. It, it is not, no one will be able to be that bad again. Yeah, at some point you said Baltimore gets better. Obviously with Cedric Mullins, he's an excellent player. Cedric the Entertainer, we love him. Ryan Mountcastle was a Rookie of the Year candidate. Their big issue with Baltimore is their pitching. But you're right, inevitably, you know, somehow, some way, the Orioles are still going to win 60 games. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to win 60, 65, 70. So the Blue Jays can't just take them for granted. The Rays, it's interesting. At one point, there was talk about them getting Freeman. I said, there's no way. How on earth? They, they never spent any money. And I think eventually the price tag became too big. But Freeman is excellent defensively. You know, the Rays place a real impact and focus on defense. And, of course, offensively, he immediately become their best bat. You pair him with a Rosarena. Zanino, all those other power hitters, you feel good about yourself. But I'm with you. Tampa's still going to make a move. And it's interesting. We're focusing on those three agents for good reason. But trades happen. Like, you saw the Reds make that move. That's a clear salary dump. Like, Suarez is owed $35 million over his next two years. Seattle's like, yep, Jerry DePoto loves to make trades, loves to make moves. I'll take that money, no problem. So be careful if you're the Jays. If some other team says, yeah, we're just looking to dump salary. We'll send some high-priced veterans someone's way. Like, you mentioned the Yankees. Donaldson. He's still got two more years left in his contract. He had 26 homers a year ago. He's an intense player. I think, as we know as Blue Jays fans, won the MVP in 2015. He adds more than just the tangibles. He brings intangibles as well. Uh, okay, so you're fired up here. I can hear the energy, Adnan. Where are you going to be opening day, and, and what does uh, your season coverage look like here? Because uh, I think this is the caged animal stuff here. This is impressive. <laughs> I am like a caged animal right now, right? It's I'm doing intentional talk to yesterday and again today with Kevin Millar. So as we were doing the show, all those moves are coming down, which, again, I want to mention Matt Olson, how good that player is. Like for the Braves, losing Freddie Freeman, fine. But Olsen is the best defensive uh, first base, according to defensive runs saved the last three years. The guy had 37 home runs, almost 100 RBI, first-time All-Star. Anybody thinking, oh, Atlanta's done now because they lose Freddie Freeman? I'm not going to say it's an upgrade, but Matt Olson coming there is massive for them. So, I look forward to more and more moves being done. I Like I said, I got an intentional talk again today. Uh, MLB now, Wednesday, Thursday, and opening day. I don't even know what the schedule is. Literally, well, we're changing the schedule as we speak. Last night, I was on call from 10 p.m. till midnight. And I it said, with four young kids, you know, I'm normally nodding off around 11, 11, 30. You got to stay up just in case Freddie Freeman signs. So it's 24-7 after being awfully quiet. And uh, we would have it no other way here at MLB Network. Okay, let's uh, let's get to your other passions here. Uh, the, the Eagles cut our Calgary boy, Alex Singleton uh, yesterday, the, the California product who found out he had some sort of uh, Canadian uh, loophole to come play as a national player here was uh, one of the best players in the CFL for a few years and has been a, a, a tackling machine for the Eagles the last two, three years. Yeah, it's frustrating because, as you said, he's been a tackling machine. Their linebackers 
have been particularly porous, and they have been for years. The Eagles have been a good linebacker since Jeremiah Trotter was that great been a linebacker back in the early 2000s. They just don't place a premium on that position. They just really like to focus on their defensive ends and defensive tackles and guys like Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, et cetera. So, I mean, at first glance, I'm like, wait, Singleton's still a good year. But to me, it's maybe a cap situation. Maybe it's a fact that they say we've got three first-round picks coming up. And from Mm. offensively speaking, there's really nothing that strong as far as a quarterback is concerned. So Hurts is the guy for another year. Go get an offensive lineman. Go get a defensive lineman. Go get a linebacker. That's how I read it, because I think Alex Singleton still has a lot left in the tank. Yeah, I think he'll end up somewhere as well. I don't know that he's the fastest, but if you put him on a good D, he'll finish a lot of plays, I'd think. Um, okay, and uh, your, your Flyers are an absolute dumpster fire. They just re-upped uh, Rasmus Ristolainen at 5.1 times 5 <laughs> after giving the moon for the last year of his last deal. How about the fact, though, more importantly, while I was there wearing the Virtues jersey, which you said, Pinder, nothing wrong with that, no, fine. nothing egregious, I clearly inspired Carter Hart. 47 saves. Wow. They pull off the upset, shutting down Vegas, 2-1 last Tuesday. It's an amazing scene being surrounded by my brethren. I, I went crazy at the Flyers gift shop. I bought gritty <laughs> dolls for the kids. I mean, I spent hundreds of dollars. It was insane. So uh, the wrist aligning contract, I mean, disaster. Are you kidding? I mean, there's no way I can spin it. I mean, as you said, you gave up way too much to get him. Just cut your losses and realize, okay, we overpaid for this guy. He's an average defensive. No, no, let's double down. That's the Chuck Fletcher way. Let's double down $5 million a year for this guy. I mean, you, you're clearly – it's a funny way to phrase it. You're paying for past performance, and he's not even that old. Like, you're paying for what he was before he came to Philly and what you're hoping he could be. But if you looked at what he actually is, that's a horrible contract. I mean, I really don't understand it. I mean, it's one of those deals that as soon as it got signed – you mentioned the eyeball emoji. Everybody was doing that. Not one person said, hey, good for Flyers. Oh, my God, what are these guys thinking? Horrible. What do they do with Giroux? And what's your wish for him? You're, you're, you're a Flyers fan, and he has been a great Flyer. There hasn't been the success uh, of late that you'd hoped, but, uh, I mean, th- there's two ways to look at it. You'd, you'd hate to see him in another jersey, but you'd also see him leave for nothing. You'd rather get some assets that help down the road, right? It's absolutely the second one. Listen, he's going to play. I'm going to be watching the game Thursday night. Flyers-Predators, that's his 1,000th game. He and Bobby Clark, the only two to reach that mark, and he just got his 900th point. It's an amazing milestone. I want to see him reach that 1,000th game and then see you. Go get us some assets because there's no reason to stay. The Flyers aren't going anywhere, like you said. I don't care if it's a player that can come right now. I don't care if it's a second-round pick. Get him something. Uh, I'd love to see him on Colorado. Just imagine that offense getting even better with a guy like Giroux. You know, there's some Eastern Conference conversation, but I, I just can't see Philly trading him to places like Pittsburgh or Boston, like teams that could really use him in that wild card hunt, but there's just no way. The Flyers, they just despise those teams. So I see him being shipped out to the Western Conference somewhere. Like I said, Colorado, to me, makes sense. Somebody mentioned the Maple Leafs at one point. I, I really don't see that there because they've got that whole cap situation. So uh, I want to see Giroud get moved. He's been an incredible flyer. He's got one year left on his deal. Like, listen, go somewhere. Go get a ring. Finish out your contract. Who knows? Maybe you come back to Philly on a two-year, three-year deal. But uh, – I hope he goes somewhere and gets some assets. I think we discussed this uh, previously, the fact that Matt Sundin did not want to get traded, and Leafs fans ended up booing him, right? They are upset. You could have got something. You get something for nothing. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it, it, I think they have to. I also thought that they'd have to do that with Ristolainen, so who knows? Maybe they just say $10 million, hang around, and <laughs> blow another one, right? <laughs> there's really no way. Cause, you know, the, there's certain signings in life. You go, well, maybe I'm not looking at it the right way. Maybe if I dig deep, you're going to know. There's no way you can dig deep from this. It's a horrible deal. Yeah, really okay. Well, we all agree on that, at least. Uh, okay, what else is coming up? I mean, uh, the, the Major League Baseball, obviously, you're jacked up about, but life. You get, is there a movie you're going to pay for soon? Is there a famous actor you get to interview soon? Like, Give us something here. 
I've got Michael Chiklis coming up on Cinephile. He, of course, was in The Shield, played Vic Mackey, won an Emmy Award. People know him from Fantastic Four. He's on the new show, Winning Time. Not sure if you guys have seen it. John C. Riley playing Jerry Buss, the story of the 80s Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was impossible to cast guys at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. But somehow they found actors who could play them. And like I said, John C. Riley's the main role. We haven't gotten to Adrian Brody yet. He's playing Pat Riley, speaking of Oscar winners. But Michael Chiklis, this week on Cinephile, he plays Red Arbuck. And he's from Lowell, Massachusetts, lifelong Celtics fan. So he's got great stories about working with Adam McKay and uh, being with John C. Riley. And it's pretty rare, right? You get a sports series. It's, it's awfully rare. That's that Playmakers ESPN tried years ago. Uh, but you rarely see it. So I love the fact HBO is doing a true basketball show. It's obviously about the Lakers and the Lakers of the 80s. So Michael Chiklis this week on Cinephile. I like it. Uh, enjoy. We will, uh, we will chat next week. Thank you, sir. Settle of down, course, by the way. Spinner, where is... Yeah, where's Boomer, by the way? Boomer's on uh, IR. We're not going to have to slide him over to LTIR, and there's cap implications of that, but uh, maybe as soon as tomorrow or Thursday could be back. Oh, man, through, through the back out? Can I get more details here? Uh, day-to-day and... Uh, yeah. Okay. Day-to-day. Enough said. Let's hope he's back soon. Good, good chat as always. Bye, Rep. <laughs> See you guys. See ya, Dan. Can I leave now, too? No, I got to do what you want to talk about. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, for Madden what you want to talk about for... Calgary Lock and Safe, your experts in automatic door service, repairs, and replacements. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Had a door issue last winter. Freezing cold. Door handle. No arcing anymore. Calgary Lock and Safe. Right there. Save the day. Uh, 960-960. We go to the text line. I'm having a spirited debate with someone on uh, the text line, Rhett, that says Oliver Shillington is not a top four defenseman and does not deserve a raise. This is what I waste my time with. uh, You're a terrible agent. Uh, yeah, so he I just checked, and he's tied for first on the team, even strength points amongst defensemen. He makes near league minimum at $750,000. That is league minimum. He's fourth in time on ice, and he has Arbrights. But this texter says no raise for Shillington. So you think he's just going to re-sign for seven fifty? I, I don't know what he's thinking. I think he thinks you, you don't even qualify him, and you just say... Oliver, you go to market. Just lose this young player for nothing, this toolsy young player. Because he says he falls down right. Have you seen him fall down? We can't have a guy falling down out there. That's embarrassing the city. Never mind the 22 even straight points. I'm going to offer up this piece of advice for that person. If if that's how you feel and you don't want to bring him back, that's fine. That's your choice to make. We need you to trade him out of here then. Try to get some assets in return at least. Well, who wants a player that falls down three times a day, Brett? Huh? I mean, yeah, this, teams these, guys 20, down, huh? these damn down. 23, 24 year old defensemen falling down all over the That's ice. That's right. Embarrassing Ow! the team. So that uh, is a waste of energy. We'll move on from that. Uh, hey, guys. What about Callie Yarncroc for Monaghan? I see that one. I don't know why the. the look, if Seattle's doing things, they're collecting good young assets. Monaghan's not in that category right now, he's in the project. Aisle. No? You have to add to that deal. You do. Yes. Do yes. You, you, you need to add more. You do. They might be able to take them, though. They've got the space. So that's one asset. You gotta, you're going to have to throw some sort of picks or or youth at, the, at that deal as well. Or um, if you can do it, do it. Guys, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Do you see Razor Ramon? Sad. One of my all-time favorites. What a character, eh? 
Yeah. Mm. My brother was just distraught last night. Need a lot of consoling. Uh, hey guys, the Pinder, uh, the the Jays need to trade Vladdy Pinder. He falls down too much. I agree. I think you know you can't have a guy falling down. But that texture's point. Those are white, crisp jerseys. You get you go getting dirt all over them, falling over. You're not even sliding in a second. Get out of here, Vladdy. You hit too many home runs, huh? Uh, has anyone texted into the uh, fan line regarding Matty Rose's beer league performance last night? I haven't seen anything. Uh, Patty, have you seen anything on Matty Rose's beer league performance last night? Crickets. Matty, do you have anything to say for yourself? Did you play? You can turn on your mic. Beer Pretty good performance. Well, what's the stat line? Uh, what would we? Well, what big, position big did you victory. play? Big I dub. Was, I moved Team up. Player. I was playing left wing yesterday. Ooh. Usually, uh, shut down defensemen, but you know we had uh, too many defensemen in beer league, which was weird. That is unusual to hear. Yeah. Moved yeah. up and uh, yeah, big win for the lads. How many bingos? Uh, what? Okay, so that's a zero. All uh, right, shut down line. Yeah, he's uh, the it's like the Paulson. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a shutdown guy. Yeah, is uh, is uh, drunk Bret Hart. Big Bill, Bernal. a bit of a bully out there. I heard some rumblings that maybe Bill uh, taking the uh, old timers hockey a little serious. He can zip it around. I'll say that. Uh, hey guys, Markstrom falls to his knees at least a hundred times a game. We got to get rid of him. It's very true. It's not wrong. He's always on his knees. What is up with that? Uh, hey, Rhett, bread, uh, banana bread, cinnamon, or no cinnamon? No cinnamon. Hmm. No. no, it's not a cinnamon roll. It's not a cinnamon bun. You're not dancing with it's a little banana bread. Cinnamon's powerful. It's banana bread. Okay. Uh, the texture said they just added it for the first time. Not sure what how they feel about it. They need help making up their mind. Uh, butter, not cinnamon. Butter. Yeah, add butter. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I'm uh, I'm tapped for the day. That's probably going to do it. Uh, <laughs> Rat, we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Matty Rose coming up with Flames Talk on the other side. What you want to talk about? Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Do you own a pharmacy? Dumas, you got a pharmacy yet? We're getting close. We're getting the papers in line. That's right. Get your lawyers to close that thing out and find out how Calgary Lock and Safe can retrofit your locks to meet the new mandates. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Flames Talk on the way. Sports at 960 The Fan.